Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring you residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are super excited to have Dr. Tooley and Dr. Barkmeyer, who are the program directors at uh, Mayo Clinic for Ophthalmology. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. So I know you guys are both um, joining us today to discuss ophthalmology, and I just wanted to know what are your official position titles? I can go first. I'm the program director for the ophthalmology residency program. I'm associate professor of ophthalmology. I'm a vitreoretinal surgeon, and I've been the program director here since 2014. I'm Andrea Tooley. I'm an assistant professor here at Mayo Clinic. I just started last July 2020. I am the associate program director, which I started in January of 2021. So we'd like to start our podcast with some rapid fire questions to learn a little bit more about you when you were applying to ophthalmology in medical school. So Dr. Tooley, were you AOA? I was. And what about you, Dr. Barkmeyer? Nope, not me. Were you gold humanism, Dr. Tooley? I was. And what about you, Dr. Barkmeyer? Not me again. And do either of you have like any funny interview stories or any deficiencies that you want to share from your residency application process many years ago? I had to think about this, but I do have a funny story I'll just briefly tell. I was interviewing at a program and as a medical student, I had been involved in quite a bit of research, a lot of um, basic science and bench research. And I was really excited about my projects. I'd been talking about that and kind of sharing my passion for going into academic medicine, which I think a lot of people when they're applying think they wanna go into academics because that's what we're most familiar with as medical students. But I was kind of sharing my passion for research and how I wanted that to be part of my career. And then this particular faculty asked me what I wanted to do outside of medicine outside of ophthalmology with the rest of my life and other hobbies and I told him my dream was to have a farm and grow all of my own food and have chickens and kind of live off the land type of life and he actually laughed in my face I mean really really laughed uh, and told me it was the most impractical goal and I would never have a life in academics if I wanted this other life and um I think it's really funny now because my husband and I live on 16 acres and have a huge hobby farm with chickens and grow our own food. So I think that the the take home from that is to be true to yourself and you can dream anything. And if someone's not supportive of your dreams, then you can still make them happen. Wow, that's a great story. And I love (laughs) the fact that you are living that dream right now outside of Rochester, Minnesota. (laughs) And what about you, Dr. Barkmeyer? Well, uh, it's not as funny, but I had, I decided very late on ophthalmology, like in July of my fourth year. And one of the, one of my um, classmates who was a year ahead of me actually picked ophthalmology and matched in ophthalmology. Eventually when interviewed at the program he was at, he was much more fashionable than I was. And he told me the tie I was planning to wear was completely unacceptable. (laughs) And so I borrowed his and then forgot to give it back to him. And then I thought I sent it back to him and he gave me grief about this for years. 
And when I sold my car, like three years later, I found the package <laughs> with the tie in it under the seat. And turns out, which was another moral of this whole story is he ended up being one of my um, faculty in fellowship. And then um, he's continues to give me grief about stealing his tie to this day. <laughs> but the people we met throughout this whole process, it's, it's amazing how they keep coming back in and out of your life and you meet some long-term friends and it's just a fun process to enjoy. And it is a very small world. Yep. Definitely. So throughout residency, you know, we think about the excitement about applying throughout medical school and we think about competitive specialties and one of them is ophthalmology. And so I'm curious if you can tell us, you know, what makes a competitive ophthalmology applicant? Well, I, can, I can start out with that. Uh, the bottom line is there's no one way to become a, a competitive ophthalmology applicant. It's true that there's a there's um, you know a, a a lot of fantastic applicants every year, and we when we read through the applications, you know people stand out in different ways. Um, there's a diversity of backgrounds of people that can be highly competitive, whether they have these leadership experiences, um, volunteerism, research. Um, sometimes when we get to know people um, one way or another, um, that can bring candidates to our attention and. And of course, people who excel in med school um, or just have other unique backgrounds and experiences, the, these are things that we see and um, give us a sense of who might um, um, become an outstanding ophthalmologist. And, you know, to help us understand what this review process looks like when you're looking through all of the applications every year, can you share with us ways that like programs actually look for someone to interview? Yeah, this was my first year going through applications from the other side, and I really learned a lot. One thing I particularly love about Mayo is that we don't have any certain screenings or cutoffs. We don't have step one cutoffs or anything. So every single application is completely reviewed holistically by multiple faculty. It, it's really an intense review, and that made me really excited from having gone through it as the applicant's perspective and then getting to go through it on the other side. So we really do read everything that you're putting into your application, which I think is great, at least here at Mayo. Um, and kind of like what Dr. Barkmeyer said, we're looking holistically at all kinds of things that are that could stand out to us. So at Mayo Clinic, we have these the three shields and those represent um, your academic or clinical performance, your commitment to research, and then your commitment to education. And so at least for me going through, I was looking for some strength in at least one of those shields. And so maybe your USMLE score isn't the highest, or uh, maybe there's another area that's a little bit lower. But if you show really strong passion about some education type project or some work or volunteer or leadership activity that you're involved in, all of those things kind of contribute to making you a great applicant. And those were things that stood out to me, at least going through it for the first time. And you gave us some awesome ways if we do have a lower USMLE score and ways to strengthen our application. And I'm curious if you have any ways that we should discuss these in our application or these things that we should talk about in our personal statement or are these things that are sufficient to be discussed in the Dean's letter. Yeah, so 
I mean, there, there's no one answer for if you have this deficiency or this advantage, how to, how to present it. But if you think about what um, admissions or review committees are looking for in each application, if they see that someone is, um, has, for example, the lower USMLE score, like you said, what the, what everyone knows that one day's score doesn't mean anything, everything about someone. However, if you can have, if you're, you have a strong academic background in other ways, such as your, you know, first and second year clinical grades, well, that, that all goes into the pool of how someone's um, um, academic background is uh, for coming into ophthalmology. In ophthalmology, we, we have, as you know, the amount of ophthalmology that people learn in medical school is relatively limited. So there's a, there's a, a lot of information that you have to pick up and learn on your own here. So we're just looking how at people's ability to um, not only acquire medical knowledge, but also um, apply it in, in clinical medicine. We just look across the application for seeing um, who is going to be able to be a great ophthalmology resident. And we now know that you know this match is going to be virtual. And so I'm curious if you have any ways for ophthalmology applicants to show interest in a specific program, whether that be rotations or virtual sub-eyes, how can we show that we're really excited about being in a certain area of the country or even at a specific program? The, I think the virtual away rotations or any away rotations that are offered are a great way to show interest in a program. I think Dr. Barkmeyer and I would both recommend doing away rotations if that's an option for you. It's also never going to hurt you to reach out to a program and express your interest or utilize any connections that you have. I've met lots of medical students who know some of the faculty here and then they've been introduced to me that way or really you, you can kind of utilize any connection you have. And it's exciting for me also to see students utilizing social media more, just like you guys are doing with this podcast. I have a really good time interacting with students on Twitter or Instagram. Um, and it's just another way to learn about programs and to showcase yourself and what you're interested in. Yeah, those are great ways, especially with social media. And you, Dr. Tooley, have so many followers and provide so much guidance, whether it be lifestyle or medicine on your Tooley Instagram account. So it really showcases that you can connect with people in so many ways in a virtual environment. Yeah, you really can. It's an exciting time. So sometimes we go unmatched. And so I'm curious for those, especially applying to competitive specialties like ophthalmology, if you do go unmatched, how do you change around your application to hopefully match the next year? I think one of the keys is to have a good plan for the year and how to use your time and how to make yourself um, not just competitive for the, the match and the application, but really what's something you want to learn? What's something you want to gain from that year? You know, we have a lot of colleagues in ophthalmology who have been extremely successful after, after not matching the first time and went out and had a, you know, outstanding research or clinical or, or other type of experience and then um, really helped transition that into something that benefited them, not just to get into ophthalmology, but, but down the road. 
Yeah, no, those are great things to consider. Having a plan is key. And, you know, something that can be really anxiety provoking is an interview and especially one that's like in front of the program director. So I'm curious if you were a candidate in the upcoming match cycle, what questions would you ask the program director? As PD, you want to take this, Dr. Markmeyer? <laughs> well, I, I think that it depends what your familiarity with the program is and um, what you've gained from some of the interactions with the residents and the rest of the program. If you if you don't have a complete sense of that yet, you know you will probably want to start out by really trying to get a sense of the feel and the program in terms of how do how does the program administration, the program director, and the um, associate PDs interact with the residents? So you can ask them questions about what are some examples of, of feedback or interactions or, or comments or thoughts of how to change the program from the residents end that you've ultimately utilized and used to strengthen the program or tweak something in a, a more resident-centric way. But I think I think just general questions about how they feel their inner, how they like to give feedback, how they assess residents. You just try to get a sense of how that interaction is, how the culture of the program is, and you know recent and upcoming changes. And then, Dr. Tooley, let's say you were a candidate in the upcoming match cycle. You know, sometimes it can be helpful to ask questions of residents. So I'm curious what questions you would ask them about the program to learn a little bit more about what the program entails. Yeah, it's so good to ask the residents questions because you're really gonna get a lot of information that's so applicable to where you are. I remember when I was going through, I, I was really naive. I hadn't done a lot of research. I asked very standard questions. You know, what, what are the surgical numbers? What's my surgical training going to be like? What's the didactic schedule? What's the call schedule? All normal things you would think to ask. So now that I have a few years experience, kind of looking back, some of the things I wish I would have asked, which luckily I ended up at Mayo, which was the absolute best place for me and offered me all these things that I didn't know to ask about. One is to identify things you're passionate about. Maybe that's research. For me, it was having opportunities to develop um, leadership, or networking opportunities by traveling to conferences. That's something that Mayo is amazing at. I was able to be involved in all kinds of leadership roles because I was a Mayo resident. The travel policy here was amazing. So I was able to go to multiple conferences every year presenting research. There's a, a ton of opportunities for that. And I never would have thought to ask, you know, what what's my ability to network and travel and am I going to be able to participate in my state society and learn about advocacy and my all kinds of things you know I was on the Minnesota Academy of Ophthalmology's board of directors as a resident these are all really unique things that not a lot of residency programs can offer so I would ask about those extras that you don't really think about and then of course another thing I'm super passionate about is mentorship it's really important to ask what's your relationship with the faculty how many faculty do you actually work with? Some programs have huge lists of faculty that look really impressive, but in reality, you're only working very closely with five to 10 of them. Um, and so what is that relationship like? How many opportunities are there for mentorship? Those are all really important things to ask in my opinion. 
Those are all wonderful questions, especially in regards to the committee. It's something that you don't recognize until you're a resident that that's available in some programs. So speak up and ask about that and see what their answers are. So, you know, another part about the entire process is ranking programs, which can be really stressful at the end of your interview journey. And I'm curious if either of you have any tips when it comes to ranking programs at the end of the process. I think it's helpful to learn as much about the programs as you can on the front end. You go into the interview with an open mind and just dive in, try to learn as much as you can. I think that going back to the earlier question about away rotations, I think that's helpful because then you've seen the ins and outs of your home program and maybe an away program and you start to see how programs work. So you dive in, try to learn about the programs and then take as many notes as you can that night. So you go around, you have your interviews, you take notes, um, think about the thoughts and details of each interview because it's really gonna blend together at the end of the cycle. And then once, you, once the rubber hits the road and you're making your rank process, that's when reach out to the faculty elsewhere, reach out to the medical students a year ahead of you, um, take advantage of what you can find on social media. And um, ultimately, there are a lot of great programs out there. Um, a lot of programs train very differently, um, apples and oranges in some regards, but you'll start to get a sense throughout the process of what you're really honing in to, to as your, your top goals. And then at the end of the interview process, like as you're making your rank list and as you complete an interview, you wonder about sending a thank you note. And I'm curious what your take is on sending and writing these thank you notes. This is such an evolving question because when I went through, I had a handwritten, mailed with a stamp, thank you note to every single person I interviewed with, which was quite a labor intensive task. But I think these days, really the email thank you note is um, very nice and respectful and a great way to connect and even start a conversation with people just through an email thank you, um, if there's something else there. I also think it could help you kind of summarize and remember things you talked about with each individual person you interviewed. So if you just say, you know, I really enjoyed talking about X, Y, and Z with you, that's going to help you solidify and, and remember those conversations. And it's also just a really nice and respectful way to thank the interviewers for their time. These are people you'll remember, like you said at the beginning, ophthalmology is such a small community. And so people you've interviewed with are going to be your colleagues. And I think it's a really nice thing to do, but I would just go with the email. Especially the example when it comes to Dr. Barkmeyer's tie that he borrowed. Exactly. You when you're going to run into someone again in the future. So you mentioned mentorship as really important in regards to residency, but it is also important in medical school. And I'm curious if you have any suggestions for those who may not have an ophthalmology program at their home institution, or even for those that just want to learn more about the field, where would be places they could go? I'd probably start out talking to some any med students and residents you know at your, at your school, if you have a residency program. Uh, your medical school's um, medical student educator, if you have one, program directors, and any faculty, don't hesitate to even cold email uh, or reach out to the faculty at your program or use other programs. Uh, there's just a, a wealth of 
opportunities to reach out to people. And I think if you're expressing an interest in ophthalmology and you're just trying to le learn more, I think you'll be very pleasantly surprised at how open uh, our community is for um, passing on information and helping people out. And you guys have provided so many awesome ways in which we can improve our application and start on this residency journey into ophthalmology. But I'm wondering if there's anything else you'd like to offer or add about the application or the residency interview process. Any words of wisdom, Dr. Tooley? I feel like there's, there have been so many great points that we've gone through. I really, it's important to know yourself and know what's important to you and know who you are as an applicant. So much of it's going to come down to um, what really what matters to you. And that's different for everybody. So just be true to yourself, follow your heart. Everything works out. Um, there's so many great people to meet and things to learn. I, I love the interview process. I know it's really daunting and scary, but I would just encourage people to be excited about it and put themselves out there and you never know what's going to happen. And you have both shared some cool things about you. Um, but I'm curious, we love to end with each of you sharing another fun fact about yourself to help us get to know you a little bit better. Dr. Barkmeyer has the best fun facts about Mayo Clinic, but it's not about either of us, but I still vote for sharing that. I, I agree. That sounds like a good one. Fun fact, uh, St. Mary's Hospital, Mayo Clinic, the first surgery ever, ever performed there was actually an ophthalmology surgery. They, they were set to Whoa. open up. Yeah, they're set to open up the hospital. And the night before, there was a patient who had a, a blind and painful eye from a croidal melanoma. And uh, Charlie Mayo, who, was, who took care of all the ophthalmology surgeries at the early stages, actually operated on the patient the night before the hospital even opened. Oh, super cool. Well, that's all the time we have today with Drs. Tooley and Barkmeyer. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McCoy for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more application tips and hear from another awesome resident or leader in medical education. 